Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at filtry.com. Let's clear the air. Kmart announces the Freedom Store is closing forever. Millions of dollars in inventory must be sold. Storewide discounts up to 75% off. Every department is on sale. All fine jewelry, fashion apparel, footwear, toys, health and beauty aids, and cosmetics are now on sale in-store. Everything must go. Nothing held back. Selling to the bare walls. Even store fixtures are all for sale. Shop now for best selection only at the Kmart store in Freedom at 1702 Freedom Boulevard. It is business as usual at all other Kmart stores. What's up, everybody? It's your boy B. Scott with the Philadelphia Eagles. I just want to thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating. Fly, Eagles, fly. Thank you for tuning in to Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. I'm your co-host, Connor Miles. With me is my co-host, Tyler Stedge. Today we interview Eagles writer for Sports Illustrated, Ed Cross. Thanks for tuning in on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and whatever you choose to listen to the show. Please don't forget to leave five-star ratings and reviews. I hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, it's Connor Tyler here, and we got Sports Illustrated, Ed Cross, joining the show. Ed, thanks for hopping on Talking Birds with us, my man. Hey, man, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Of course. So, Ed, the biggest thing about the Eagles offseason so far, I think that now all our attention is wrapped into, is the fact that the Eagles win the second round at pick 53 and took Jalen Hurts. A lot of people are wondering why, which – I don't think anyone except Harry Roseman and everybody in that building knows the exact reasoning behind the pick. But in my opinion, I've seen what this team has done with the backup quarterbacks in this under Jeffrey Lurie's tutelage. AJ Philly's come in and won unexpectedly. Nick Foles won the Super Bowl unexpectedly. Michael Vick came in and won the starting job for the team unexpectedly. Jeff Garcia came in and won games for this team unexpectedly. This team over the history of the franchise has really depended on that quarterback too, and maybe has a different look at the position than us normal fans and everybody else in the NFL does because of the past. I would argue this team is the best built organization to handle this type of situation. What are your thoughts on it, the Jalen Hurts pick, and what do you think about that as in terms of them being able to handle the the drama and the circus that comes with to get a quarterback in the second round with Carson Wentz on board? Yeah, well, um, well, you know, I mean, nobody knows the value of a, a good backup quarterback more than the Eagles after what we saw Nick Foles do in 2017 coming off the bench and 
uh, leading the Eagles to a Super Bowl. So um, nobody knows the value more than them. And uh, to take someone like Jalen Hurts, I think sometimes when you don't need a player is the time to go out and draft a player that you, you don't particularly need at that moment. We saw that uh, in 2018. they they probably didn't really need a tight end when they took Dallas Goddard because they had Zach Ertz. So, you know, sometimes the time to take a player you don't need is when you don't need him. And the Eagles don't need Hertz to play quarterback. He's not going to come in and uh, take Carson Wentz's job, that's for sure. Um, but there is that injury history to factor in. And then you also factor in that Hertz, and, and I sometimes call him Ertz, which is very confusing for me. You know, I've, I've made that mistake a few times in different videos and, and podcasts. So if I make that mistake, I apologize. But Jalen Hurts. Uh, is a guy now that can come in and they're un- he's under the Eagles' control for four years on a rookie contract, which is relatively cheap. They don't have to go out and find that that veteran um, that they've always had to do in the past and, and pay him uh, you know a couple million dollars to come in um, because I think Hertz can kind of pick up this offense quickly and he could be ready to play um, probably sooner rather than later should they need him to step in for Wentz if he were to get hurt. Um, and of course, the one person you forget is Nate Sudfeld in this equation. Sudfeld is now on the team for a fourth season. Um, I don't think he's the backup right now. I think Hertz and uh, and and uh, Sudfeld are going to battle it out to be the backup. But you know, he's going to leave after this year. Um, he's going to want to try to find a, a situation where he can at least compete to be the starter. That's not going to happen with Wentz installed here for the next you know five six years, however long this contract runs. So. He's going to be gone. And then what do you have? Then you have Hurts that can, you know, you're comfortable uh, having developed for a full season. So I think the Eagles are well equipped to handle this situation with a backup. You saw it with Foles. There was no quarterback controversy when Foles was in town. Doug Peterson uh, is, is pretty adamant in who his quarterback is. So it's not going to be any quarterback controversy of any kind. And Hurts is the kind of player where, you know, in his college history, he kind of showed that he he's okay being a backup. You know, he got benched in the national championship game yeah. uh, when he was at Alabama <laughs> and they brought in Tua, uh, who, who took off from there, and Hurts was his backup. And he was comfortable in that role and doing what he could to help the team win. So, you know, you see that as uh, Howie Roseman would see that, and you say, you know what, this guy's not going to come in. He's not going to make waves. He's not going to demand to be a starter. He's going to come in. He's going to learn, and he's going to do the right things. They talked a lot about the culture fit with him in the locker room that he's going to fit right in. Uh, and, and you got to you got to trust in that. And I think it was I think in hindsight, it's going to be a very good pick to have Jalen Hurts on this football team for the next four seasons. I like it. That's the, I like it. That's a really good statement. And we were talking off air real quick, and I just want to hit on this to end the Hurts conversation. <clears throat> but I, in my opinion, I see a quarterback that can run the RPO offense. You saw when the Eagles were stalling out to end the 2017 season after the great pace they were on with Carson Wentz when Nick Foles took over. Then they go into the postseason and start doing these Chip Kelly RPO-type concepts, and Nick Foles is comfortable and running that system all the way to the Super Bowl victory. Perhaps the Eagles see the same thing with Hurts and believe he can do the same thing while being mobile on top of that, which Hyatt Roseman alluded to and what he wanted in his backup quarterback. What What is your thoughts on that? Do you think if the situation arises where Carson wants us go down at a pivotal point in the season, the Eagles switch to Hurts and run out the RPO system? And to clarify, Sudfell, you don't think his quarterback too this year? They could do more RPOs. I think when you saw Foles come in uh, in 2017, late in that season, after Carson went down with the knee injury, um, Foles didn't look real good. Um, and I think having that week off, that bye week in the playoffs, is kind of really what set 
Foles and the Eagles up for that run because uh, John D. Filippo and Frank Reich, they went back through uh, all of the old footage of Nick Foles when he played for Chip Kelly back in 2013 and 14 um, and what they were able to do with him then. And, you know, Foles was a very good quarterback, if you remember, back in those years. Um, you know, 2013, he had the 27 touchdown, two interception year. But that bye week really uh, helped the Eagles go back and kind of dissect every play that he ran from the start of his career and saw that that was his strength. And when you talk about Jalen Hurts, yeah, I absolutely think uh, being a, a read option type quarterback is is great for him. You look at his mobility and his ability to run the football. I mean, that those are two huge strengths, I think, uh, in his game, at least what he demonstrated in college. So, yeah, I would think the Eagles would be wise to, um, you know, kind of train him with that RPO mindset. Um, but again, when if Wentz goes down, and, and that's the, 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 the comfort of having two quarterbacks, Sudfeld can come in and operate the offense as is, whereas you may have to change up a little bit with Hertz. And unless you're prepared to do that with training throughout the season, um, it's going to be difficult to do kind of in a one or two game setting. So um, you want to train him in the offense that exists, but it clearly his strength is the RPO and the Eagles have demonstrated that they can, you know, they can switch things up on the fly if need be. I, uh, I, I, I like that you hit on the RPO thing. Um, My question is, because with the speed at receiver, it opens up RPOs. Um, that's a position that I'm intrigued by. I think that it's a position they addressed crazy in the draft, uh, and it seemed like they emphasized speed. Um, and I just wanted to get your kind of your take on the receiver position. Oh man, I, I can't wait to see this speed and how it's how it's utilized. I mean, this is going to be a track team, and it's not just these athletes that they took fast, like Hightower and Quez Watkins uh, trading for Marquise Goodwin. I mean, these are guys that have produced uh, at whatever level they were at. I mean, Goodwin, not so much because he's been injured. Um, And if he can stay healthy and put it all together, man, he could be a real threat. But those college guys, uh, you know, Hightower and Watkins, I mean, they they put up some big numbers uh, at their colleges in terms of you know, catches and yards and touchdowns. So it's not like these are guys that are just learning how to play receiver because they're fast. These are guys that have played receiver and are fast. So it's going to be fun to watch. We all saw last year uh, when Deshaun Jackson went down, how this offense really kind of stalled out and kind of got bogged down. And, you know, say which one about Nelson Aguilar. He was supposed to be the guy that stretched the field and uh, is fast. But, you know, for some reason, his, his concentration just waned, you know, he just, he, you know, he, he couldn't catch the deep ball as well as they would like. So uh, they kind of got away from that in their offense. But if Deshaun Jackson goes down again, and chances are good that something will come up that will afflict him this year because he rarely plays 16 games, you're not going to have an offense that bogs down again because you got guys you can line up and they can just fly. I mean, you, you imagine lining up Jalen Rager, who's probably the second fastest guy in this draft behind uh, Henry Ruggs. Uh, and, and him on one side and Deshaun on the other side. I mean, good luck if you're cornerback one, two, trying to cover those guys deep, and then you have to bring safety help. And then what does that do to the middle of the field? You're going to have uh, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. They're going to get open. You're going to be able to run some wheel routes, one-on-one matchups with, you know, Miles Sanders or Boston Scott on linebackers, big mismatch. So, I mean, I'm excited that they look added all this speed. I mean, on the surface, it looks like, wow, they really went overboard because everybody they took was like, you know, super fast. <clears throat> but, you know, you look at it, not all these guys are going to make the roster, obviously. They're going to be put on the practice squad. You hope they can get on the practice squad. And they're going to be developed, and they're going to be waiting in the wings ready to take that step. So I'm pretty pumped to see how this whole thing's going to work. Uh, I hope we get to see it. 
you know, with, uh, <laughs> right. you know, this, the way the situation is, but when it does happen, man, it's going to, I think it's going to be really, really fun to watch. Yeah. I like, I, that you, I like that you hit on that, the practice squad part though, because that, that's true. If you think about it, this all, if let's just say, let's, who knows what's going to happen with training camp and all that stuff, but it's probably a good year where your draft picks are probably going to make your practice squad because no other team's got a good look at them. Who knows? Well, just the, this pandemic is unpredictable, but <clears throat> it, that's that is good opinion because when you were they were scavenging through the practice squad for wide receivers last year, there wasn't a ton of speed. Deontay Burnett was probably their most elusive guy they brought up off the practice squad, and he's not really a speed guy either. Uh, now they can have like Quez Watkins in there. Uh, so many options. I think Ty Tower will make the roster, in my opinion. But oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I love what they did the wide receiver. I agree with you completely. Ed. Yeah, and yeah. they got they got thirteen they got thirteen wide receivers on the roster right now. So you know how many of those are you going to keep? You know, obviously Alshon Jeffrey's still out there, and how much of a role is he going to play? He's still rehabbing from the Liz Frank um, surgery, but I think he's going to be on the team, and I think he's going to have a role. Um, you know, at one of those receiver spots, but you're not going to keep thirteen receivers, obviously. So you start doing the math, and how many are going to keep? Five, six, seven, and then that affects other positions like tight end, running back, offensive line. So uh, it's a good problem to have, though. It is a good problem to have. But uh, I think the biggest offseason addition the Eagles made was probably Javon Hargrave. I know a lot of people want to say Darius Slay. Darius Slay is the fl- flashy pick and everything. But to me, adding a guy like Javon Hargrave, who I would argue was in a system that didn't even tailor to his best skill set, and he was still dominating in that system when Pittsburgh would be the nose tackle. Now he comes in to be a defensive tackle, a pure pass rusher from the interior, lines up with Fletcher Cox, probably gives the Eagles the most talented uh, tackle they put next to Cox during his tenure in Philadelphia. What is what is your take on the impact that he brings to the Eagles' defensive line this season? Yeah, I think it was a great signing. I mean, I'm an old pass rush guy. You know, I played defensive end, and you know, and when I played football, and I love getting after the quarterback, and I think that's where it all starts is up front. You can have – you know, Darrell Revis and, you know, Deion Sanders on the outside, and that's great. But if you can take away that time that a quarterback has to spend in a pocket, make him even feel uncomfortable, you don't necessarily have to sack him, but just put pressure on him, make him feel you nearby, then he's going to make mistakes. And you look at Javon Hargrave, and first I like that he comes from a system like the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, that's a winning organization. So anytime you can sign a guy away from that organization in his prime, you know, kudos to the Eagles for doing that. But you look how he's built too. He's a short, stocky guy. He's about six foot one, um, but he's strong. His legs are just freaking like tree trunks and he's strong as an ox. And I like how he can get underneath bigger players and kind of push them out of his way uh, and be a real factor in not just the run game, but in the, in the, in the pass rush game too. And um, him and Fletcher Cox side by side, and then you throw in Malik Jackson there. And I even like Tassan Ridgeway was really coming on strong last year. I think when you put all four of those guys in the mix and you play them each, you know, 70, 60 to 70% of the plays, maybe a little lower for some, more for others. But, you know, I think Hargrave is going to see a lot of time and he's really going to help uh, that defensive end. And I think, Connor, you and I were talking off air about how it affects the pass rush on the outside too, and you have to worry about two solid inside tackles, including Hargrave, then that just helps guys like Derek Barnett and Brandon Graham even become more effective because suddenly they're faced with more one-on-one uh, opportunities on the outside and they can win a lot of those matchups. Yeah. And 
you're you're hitting on depth. I feel like that was the again priority this offseason for for Roseman. He's protected himself from <laughs> all the injuries he's been dealing with. Uh, yeah. And and so you mentioned that with the D line, and it, it 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 seems like they can attack you in so many so many ways, and they're versatile. Um, what is your what are your thoughts on the safety position? Um, it, because I feel like it, again, it's with depth. I don't think they had a Hargrave signing. Um, it, it wasn't like a, a big splash, but I do think with the Jenkins departure, they did a really good job of I, I, almost filling it with three or four guys. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, they're going to miss Malcolm Jenkins, uh, you know, on the field, in the locker room. You know, that can't be undersold. I mean, Malcolm Jenkins was a huge part of that defense. I mean, the guy made 96 straight starts. He never came out. He was on the field the whole time. You could really use him all over the place. You could put him in the slot. You could put him as a dime linebacker. Um, I mean, and just to say what he was as a leader, I mean, he knew where everybody was supposed to be on that defense. He, They're going to miss him, but, uh, you know, they did bring in a few guys here. And Jalen Mills, I guess, was the first one that um, they brought in. They re-signed Rodney McLeod. Then they re-signed Jalen Mills with the thought that they're going to move him to safety. And now I'm starting to wonder if that's still the plan, that Mills to safety experiment, because of what they did. They added Will Parks um, very cheaply. Um, and, and, you know, he's a versatile safety too. And then they had uh, Kayvon Wallace in the draft who, you know, looks terrific, had a great college career, I think is going to be a real benefit to this team. He's also very versatile. He could be kind of like the next Malcolm Jenkins, but Again, he's just a rookie. You want him to kind of grow uh, in the NFL as a professional and with the team. So um, he's going to be a little young. Uh, and I'm not sure if they do keep Mills at safety, if Will Parks, you know, his job could be in jeopardy. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it will be, but I remember when they signed uh, Quentin Nelson from the Broncos as a linebacker and everybody thought he would uh, make the team. I th- Is that his name, Quentin? Corey Nelson. Corey, Corey, Corey. Corey. yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I, you know, everybody thought he'd make the team and he didn't make the team and he looked like a good signing at linebacker when they brought him in. So I'm not saying they're going to cut parks, but I'm not saying he's got a roster spot locked up either at this point, depending again on mills. Um, but I like what they did at safety more or less. I think, you know, if Wallace can be developed, he will be a, you know, a force in that secondary, but you know, Rodney McLeod's 30 years old. Um, I thought he had a real nice season last year. He did tear his ACL in 2019, so he's going to be, or 2018, so he's going to be even further removed from that. Um, but I still think there's still some work that needs to be done. But I, I like what they've done so far. You can't, you know, satisfy everything in one off season. Um, but how they're going to fill that Jenkins role, I think, for now going forward, they did the best they could, and I think it'll pay dividends. So, what do you think about quarterback two battle then? Uh, since we got some time here. I I I know you mentioned Mills going back there. I'm with you on the Parks thing. I don't I don't think that necessarily he makes a roster, and they they gave him a contract where they could really move on if they had to. Right. If Mills ends up playing, because I I do like Mills at safety. I, I thought he did well at LSU when he played safety. Uh, I think I I what I like about the secondary now is they have so many guys that are versatile and can handle with different matchup advantages. Like say for the Cowboys when they put up Gallup or they put Cooper in the slot or Lamb even. Uh, the Giants had nothing but slot wide receivers, it seems like, with Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, and Darius Slayton. Uh, they have so much versatility in that secondary now where they can just put guys in different spots depending on matchups. I do like Mills as a safety because I think he actually plays well in the box. I thought he was good in run recognition and keeping his eyes in the backfield. But Kayvon Wallace looks like a good prospect. 
So if you do put Mills at cornerback too, then I guess it really evens out and then you don't have a Monte Maddox and City Jones battle going on. Because I love Nicole Roby Coleman. Uh, talked about it last episode. I thought that was one of their underrated additions to finally lock down the nickel position like they did with Patrick Robinson and have the outside play be what it has to be. Um, but are you keen on anybody at cornerback too? Do you like Monte Maddox or do you like City Jones? Uh, well, I think they're going to give Sidney Jones plenty of opportunity to try to believe, uh, prove that he belongs in the NFL. This is his last year um, under contract, so they're really going to have to uh, see what he can do, and I think they're going to give him every opportunity. You hope that he comes back a little stronger. I mean, we've said this before, a little more confident. I mean, these are all issues that he's had in the past, and uh, whether or not he can put it all together now, uh, I think they're going to give him every opportunity to win that cornerback two position. Um, and then Avante Maddox, obviously he's so versatile. You could put him in the slot as a backup with Cravon LeBlanc. You could put him back at safety. He showed that he can play some safety. And in fact, his maybe his best position could be safety, like you said, with Mills. So, um, you know, it does give them a little bit more flexibility with Maddox. Uh, but I, I think Sidney Jones, if he can come into camp, whatever camp looks like, whenever it happens and, and show that, you know, hey, I'm here. I mean, business. This is my last year. I want to prove that I belong. Um, then that could be good. I mean, he was good at the University of Washington years and years ago. So I think the Eagles are going to give him every opportunity to win that job. And I think he probably will. I don't know how successful he'll be with it. Um, but again, Mills, he is a good safety, probably will transition well. But again, he's another option that you could have at corner if you don't like what Mills or Maddox and, uh, and, um, uh, Sidney Jones are doing at that at that CB two spot. Uh, you could put Mills back in there. I mean, Mills battles. Mills Mills competitor. Schwartz loves Jalen Mills. Um, he doesn't like Sidney Jones as much, but I think the edict will come down from above that hey, we got to give this guy a chance to win the job. We got to make sure he you know you can put him in a position to succeed. Um, so we're, we'll see. I mean, it's nice, like you said, they have some depth and they have some options and a lot of versatility in that secondary. Uh, to to kind of figure this this thing out. I, I mean, real quick, I I like the the thing you said about Maddox because I I kind of think I mean McLeod's on a two year contract, getting up there in age. You you would think that Maddox maybe being the future center fielder that McLeod is might be the best fit for him going forward. And he did replace him in 2018 when he was injured. I did think that he did play nice on the outside too as a rookie, but I think not knowing who Maddox was and not having thrown on him did help because uh, he looked like he did struggle last year on the outside. But to me, Nicole Roby Coleman has that nickel position locked up, and he's a really good solid one. Darius Slay has cornerback one locked up. If Mills can be the quarterback two, I mean, it's not that bad as everybody wants to make it out to be. He was always the Eagles' number one corner, and like you said the most, Schwartz loves him. So there's no – I can't envision Jalen Mills either if it's not at safety, if it is at corner – any way possible. I don't see him not being on the field this year as yeah. a starter for the Eagles. Agreed. Yeah. It, and Ed hit on it. It Schwartz loves him. <laughs> like he, yeah. he, he loves him. And so he's a wild card. He's going to play somewhere, whether it be safety or corner. He's There's no way Jalen Mills is on the bench. I argued changing to number 21 was a power move for him too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I like it. I like number 21 Bills. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Yeah. But – you're a numbers guy, huh? You like the the number thing, huh? I, if he says that safety, a number twenty one safety, yeah, I'm okay <laughs> yeah. with that. I, I, I'm, that that sounds like it might work out. But I mean, let's just keep talking because we got some time here, more time than I expected. 
Do you do? You, what do you think, Ed? Do you think Darius Slay? I know he's twenty nine years old, but do you think he's productive this year for the Eagles? Yeah, I think he'll be productive. I mean, he's another guy like Mills that, that has a short memory. Schwartz loves those guys with short memories. You know, we see Sidney Jones doesn't have that short memory. He tends to let a bad play affect him um, and doesn't move on as quickly as Schwartz would like. And Mills is that kind of guy, man. You know, look, these guys on the other side are getting paid too. You're going to lose some battles and uh, you have to win more than you lose, obviously, but you're going to lose some. And, and when you lose one, you, you got to forget about it. You got to put it behind you and you got to get ready for that next play. And I think Slay does that. Um, I think he's a battler. He's a competitor. Um, he is 29. He's a little older. Um, but I think he still can be very, very productive. I mean, he's a good interceptions guy. They got him to kind of take the ball away from the offense and help give the, you know, the Eagles offense better field position in terms of a turnover. Um, and that's something the Eagles have struggled with is getting those con- turnovers consistently. And I think Slay can kind of bring that. He gambles a lot and that's why he gets them. Um, he's, He's going to get beat. I mean, all guy, all, all the cornerbacks do, but it's how you come back and respond to it. I think he's huge to get him in a trade. I really do. I know they tried to get him uh, at the trade deadline uh, last year, but things didn't work out. And, um, you know, he, they had to give up a third-round pick to get him this year. Um, not terrible, but I, I think he'll definitely help. And I think that, like we talked about with that secondary, it's relatively young. So other than McLeod at 30, you know, now you have Slade that can come in and kind of be that, that senior guy to talk. Uh, to those younger guys and teach those younger guys like Maddox and Jones and, and LeBlanc and, uh, you know, guys like that. I mean, I think he'll pay big dividends on the field as well as in the locker room. The thing about Slay that gives the Eagles an advantage, I think, is they can play more press with a corner now instead of sticking to the, the majority of zone like they like to do. Yeah, and I know he can perform in both, but I don't think the Eagles really had a cornerback that could really press well on that team last year, if you ask me, or past couple of years, honestly. So I think that's a huge addition. And then not only that, he had a bat, he had a, a bum hamstring last year that I think hindered his play overall, especially considering the fact that he played the third most press man snaps in the NFL. Gives you so much difference in what you can do with a, with the team now. Do you think that – I know that Shorts is really specific on stuff and he doesn't really adjust or anything, but do you think that they would ask Slade to shadow the team's best wide receiver next year? Well, I guess it depends how, you know, that cornerback two spot looks, you know, if you're confident enough in Jones or, or, or uh, Maddox to, to do that. Um, but I would suspect that he probably should be somebody that follows uh, the number one receiver around, and the Eagles are going to play some good ones. I mean, there's some great receivers in this league, and you need a guy like Slay that can match up um, against guys. You know, he's done well against Amari Cooper when they've played in the past for the Cowboys. You know, Cooper killed the Eagles last year. Um, so if Schwartz was smart, yeah, I would, I would definitely have him shadow, uh, the other team's number one receiver. But again, um, we'll see how he feels about Jones and we know he doesn't, you know, he's not too fond of Jones at this point, but, uh, we'll, we'll see how that develops. But I, I think there's a very, very high chance that yes, Darius Slay, uh, will follow other teams best receiver. I hope so because. I really would think the best thing that you can do for Maddox and Jones at this point is make them face the, the team's third best wide receiver because you're most likely facing the second best wide receiver in the slot, depending on mismatch advantages and how teams run their offenses. We all know about versatility and what teams do with wide receivers. But I would think at this point you probably want either one of those guys facing uh, the lesser wide receiver at all times, and maybe that would help Jones' confidence because that's the question I want to get into you now. You see all these young players the Eagles had over the years with Sidney Jones, 
J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Andre Dillard, Nelson Aguilar. The one common theme here is they struggle with confidence. Is that something that you worry about? under? Because this is all under Peterson so far and his coaching staffs, especially with all the consistent changes at the wide receiver coach. Uh, D-line coach has been in and out now, with Barnett being kind of underwhelming. Uh, it, a lot of their high draft picks seem to have struggled with confidence issues. Is that something that you worry about with the Eagles going forward? No, not not really. I mean, you can only build up someone's confidence so much. I mean, you're you're here to win games as a coaching staff. If you don't win games, you're not going to be, you know. In- your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your filtry air filters today at filtry.com. Let's clear the air employed very long so you know it's not like you can take these guys by the hand and say hey come on you're good you can do better you, we believe in you I mean look that's that's high school stuff I mean these guys you know if, if they have confidence or not that's on them you know they've got to understand that this is their job this is their profession you know it's just like you me Tyler I mean it, it nobody's holding our hand to say hey you guys are good writers you guys are good broadcasters you know you have to believe that you can do the job and if you make a mistake, you just have to move on from it and and learn from it. So, you know, I don't think that has anything really to do with the coaching staff. That's on the player. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Derek Barnett. And, you know, I don't think confidence is his issue. I think it's injuries. I mean, that guy uh, has been banged up a lot of his career. When he's healthy, man, I think he's really good. I mean, he's got over 14 career sacks. Um, you think back to his rookie year when he was healthy. I mean, he made that huge sack in that NFC Championship game against the Vikings when the Vikings are marching to pull the game tied at 14 all. I think it was 14 7 at the time. And it was Barnett who sacked Case Keenum to turn that ball over as the Vikings were threatening to put up points. And, you know, that was a huge momentum swing in the game. I mean, the Eagles went on to blow him out, but that was a big point in that game. And, of course, he was there to recover Brandon Graham's fumble in the Super Bowl. I mean, he had a really good rookie season, and he was mostly healthy. And then his second year, he had the shoulder injury. Uh, you know, he needed to have shoulder surgery, uh, and that shut him down halfway through the year. And last year, he played through a lot of aches and pains. He was on that injury report a lot uh, during the season, yet he played on, never really made an excuse for it. Of course, he was hardly ever in the locker room to talk about it either because I don't know why he doesn't like to talk to the media, but he, he, he's very rarely available uh, for interviews. So you just have to talk to his teammates and coaches about how he's feeling. And Schwartz even alluded to the fact that he was playing through some stuff. So um, if he can stay healthy, I mean, I think Barnett's a talent. I really do. I, I think Eagles fans probably don't give him enough credit um, for what he can be, what he is when he's healthy. So I on the last I will admit on the last episode I called him an average starter, which I don't think there's anything wrong with an average starter though. To be honest with you, in the NFL, line. My my issue with him is he has a non-existent bull rush, and he was the same way at Tennessee, same way in the NFL. Powerful offensive tackles embarrass him. I'm not going to lie, but what we said off the air, which is why I thought he'll have a better year, is you have Javon Hargrave, who is probably he command a chip block from the offensive tackle, which gives Barnett more chances to win with inside and outside leverage, which he does do very well. I thought his bend move was one of the best in the draft class in 2017. And he, he did develop some kind of spin move last year too. So I agree with you. I, I, I like Barnett coming into this season, but as a player overall, I do think he's an average starter at best. Yeah. Uh, I think right now he is. I think he's got the ability though to, I think he's got the ability to be a double digit sack guy. I really do. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I think he had six and a half last year, if memory serves. Um, I have it here. I could check. But, um, and, you know, he was banged up again. You know, I think if he can stay healthy, I think he can put up double digits. And you mentioned Hargrave being next to him or, or Jackson, whoever it is, that's going to help him too. So um, there's going to be a lot riding on Barnett because you look at uh, uh, their defensive ends after Barnett and Graham, it's kind of a cast of thousands that they have here with, who's going to, you know, work their way into that rotation. Josh Sweat had a, uh, you know, a, a pretty eye-opening season last year in limited time. He had four-plus sacks. And, uh, you know, Joe Osman, I know there was a role for him until he tore his ACL. And then Sharif Miller, we don't really know about him. He couldn't get on the field as a, as a rookie fourth-round pick. Um, Deshaun Hall, I think, is coming off of a, a surgery. So I don't know how effective he'll be early on. But, you know, after Barnett and Graham, it, it gets a little unknown from that point on. So Barnett, he's got to have a big year this year. Right. Uh, and they, I forgot about Javon, Javard Avery uh, real quick. Also they added too. So you don't, I, just real quick before yeah. we finish up and then move on to Tyler's question. Right. Uh, do you, do you think Vinny Curry's still in the plans or do you think they bring him back? Uh, the NFL has been quite a, kind of quiet. I mean, there's not a whole lot of business being done. You'll see the, you know, the odd signing here and there, but Logan Ryan still hasn't signed. I don't think I know that there was talk about him with the jets and no, Jason Peters. Yeah. I mean, it's just the way things are right now with the, with this virus. I mean, you know, there's just not a whole lot of business that's being conducted um, at the moment. So I, I think there could be a market for Vinnie Curry. I'm not necessarily sure it's with the Eagles. Um, I know he had a pretty productive year last year. Um, so maybe he comes back on a one-year deal. I mean, he grew up an Eagles fan. He loves the Eagles. Uh, so certainly they would have an inside track. And I would probably put it at 50-50 that Curry comes back. Uh, really quick, Derek Barnett did have six and a half. You were correct. Yeah. Um, as far as uh, another position I'm in, intrigued by is, is is running back three or two. Um, so we, we know Miles Sanders. We know Boston Scott. Um, I'm a fan or an advocate of maybe signing uh, Devontae Freeman. Um, depending on his contract demands. Um, but what do you think happens at uh, the running back position? Yeah, you know, going back to Jalen Hurts and the Eagles taking him at 53, you know, one of the considerations that they were thinking of at that point was J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State at running back. And, man, that, man. you know, when you when you think about that, that would have been awesome to have him <laughs> and Miles Sanders in the backfield. <laughs> I mean, that guy's a hammer. Um, the only question, and I guess he won a couple picks after the Eagles took Hertz. I, I can't remember who took it. Maybe yeah. it was the Ravens. It was the Ravens. Yeah, they yeah. took a couple picks after. And yeah. then Denzel Mims is on the board, but all right, enough. Who was on the board? <laughs> who, who Denzel, was Denzel. Denzel Mims, too. Denzel Mims and Jalen Rieger long term. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Mims was on the board. Who took Mims? I can't remember. The Jets. The Jets. The Jets. Okay. Yeah. Christian Fulton um, was on the board. AJ Espinosa was on the board. I know. Oh, I know. Jeremy Shin, I think, was another option that they yeah. were looking at yep. hard. Yep, he was on the board. Yep, yeah. the Panthers ended up taking him. But yep, it was Shin and uh, Dobbins that they were really. That's why I saw. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that report. That's yeah. So I think there would have been a bigger if we did take a running back. If a running back was taken, I feel like it would have been even. That's because people don't understand that stuff. I'm not gonna lie. Two running back system is what you need in the NFL to that oh. power threat. But they back, would use back both second of them. round picks. That's. And, and it's Peterson. better than taking a second round wide receiver that you never use. <laughs> but like Mims <laughs> or Arcega Whiteside, I got you. Uh, another yeah, big year they'll, for, they'll use Mims. I, yeah. I'm not worried. I, I, yeah. I'm not that high on JJ Arcega Whiteside, to be honest yeah. with you. 
I'm it's not. Hard, it's, it's hard to be. I'm almost, I'm I'm pretty much out on him. I yeah. Johnny told me some a crazy thing on this last episode that I couldn't even believe. He played 500 snaps last year, JJ Arcega Whiteside, and only saw 16 targets. On I 500 just, snaps. I think he kind of just got lost, man. I think he kind of just got lost. He showed in the preseason. He cooked a Dory Jackson. He 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 shows. I don't know. I, I I'm not ready to just throw in the the. Nah, I can't get. Uh, yeah, Nobody I, is. I, I don't give up on anybody after a year. And yeah. and now all this talk about this mysterious ailment that he had, you know, Howie Roseman mentioned that he was kind of hurt with something. You know, he went on some Spanish podcast and talked about how he had trouble going to the bathroom on his own. I mean, I, you know, again, it, it, it really sucks that we don't have access to these players in the locker room with the OTAs and stuff and the mini camp that would have been in June. I mean, we, you know, we can get to the bottom of all this stuff, but right now it's just not possible. So there's all this speculation, but – um, I, I'm not going to give up on JJ after a year. I, I'm not. I mean, he did some good stuff at uh, where did he come from? Stanford. I mean, he, yeah. he he did some good stuff at Stanford. I mean, you know, it's tough sometimes to come in uh, to the league and and make a big impression your first year. There's a lot lot going on, not just on the field but off the field. Um, so I'm not giving up on him. I'm not to optimistic, me, but I'm not giving up. The most optimistic I am on him and. I think it's fair, and regardless of what anybody thinks, I don't care. I think the most impact he can bring to you at this point is a Riley Cooper-type impact. Yeah, Cooper had some good games. He did, I, all right. I, that's what I'm saying. If he ends up having yeah. some good games, then all right, fine. Because at this point, from what I saw last year, that was a dreadful wide receiver. I'm sorry, guys. That looked bad. He had some good, he had some good catches, you could say, but you can count them on one hand. You, know, you want him to be better than Cooper. I mean, Cooper came, I think, in the fifth round. Yeah. I, maybe. Yeah. The fifth, I mean, you know. He was our, the fifth our, round. And then yeah. He, and so, J.J. was the second round. So, you know, you want – obviously, you want better than Riley Cooper. Um, but uh, I'm not sure we'll get it. I'm not optimistic either, but I'm not going to write him off. I'm going to – you know, I like to mm-hmm. wait two, at least two – more like three years before making any kind of long-term evaluations on a player. Um which is why I'm not optimistic about Sidney Jones. But uh, where, where were we on the – oh, the running back. Oh, yeah, yeah, running P- back, yeah. P- Peterson loves the committee approach, right? So to take, like, a guy like Dobbins to, to pair with Sanders, you know, two – like Tyler said, two back-to-back second-round running backs, I mean, man, that, that would have been pretty awesome. He loves the – we saw in 2017 he had Blunt. Uh, who else did he have? Um uh, Ajay Clement. Ajay, Ajay Clement, yeah. I mean, that he used all three Small of those guys. Word. Smallwood, Smallwood was in the mix. Yeah, I mean Smallwood. Smallwood was pretty serviceable as a as a reserve. I thought he was. Um, yeah, I thought he was yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I think they definitely could use another running back, and I don't know who it's going to be. I mean, the Mich- Sean McCoy's been bandied about. Please uh, no. Devontae Please Freeman, no. like you said, Please is still no. out yeah. there. Um, Anybody but LeSean McCoy. Please. I know. I know. Yeah. He's probably yeah. Not I just left in the tank. I don't know how people can sell it to themselves that the head coach that drafted Lashawn McCoy they didn't play him at all in the postseason <laughs> or in the Super Bowl. But yeah, let's go ahead and sign him and and see if he can get something out of him here. If the he head really coach that drafted that. him knows that he's done, he's I'm not even sure. hiding it. Like he's like announcing it like everywhere. He's like, I want to come back to Philly. I want to come back to Philly. It's like, bro. <laughs> Raiders yeah. were in talks with him apparently before they signed Devontae Booker. He said the. They, the Raiders, they almost oh, signed really? him, but yeah, they, decide, they decided to sign Devontae Booker. Sheesh. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it because I, I mean, think he's done. They need somebody. Like, I think he's done too, but they need somebody. I mean, what happens, you know, God forbid, Miles Sanders gets hurt. 
You know, and that guy gave everything as a rookie, man. That guy mm-hmm. he played hurt the, the end of the season. So that good. guy had a – he was on crutches after uh, – when they cleaned out their locker rooms the day after they lost to the Seahawks. See, that guy mm-hmm. was on crutches. His leg was all wrapped up. You know, he had the ankle injury. Then he had the knee injury. I mean, you know, running backs take a pounding. And, you know, he played all 16 plus the playoffs. But, you know, you hope he can keep doing that. But uh, if he gets hurt or, you know, he misses a couple weeks, I mean, wh- then what do you have? You have Clement. You have – who knows about Elijah Holyfield? You mentioned him. Mike Warren's an undrafted guy. Maybe he steps in or the Killian's kid um, from Florida or Central Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he's the guy. But, I mean, you know, then you're kind of trusting that an, another, an undrafted kid can step in. I mean, you have Clement. But Clement, you know, his injury situation the last two years has been very disappointing. He had a great rookie year, obviously. But I don't know if you can count on him either. So He's not even a lot to make the team, in my opinion. So, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's just I can wait because it's running back because, like you said, none of these guys are signing, and I don't. It's a long list of running backs available that they could go after. I honestly thought, though, I don't want to say that if Miles Sanders get hurt, you want to have Boston Scott as his replacement. I thought Boston Scott though did have some really powerful runs Man. as a as a third down runner, as a yeah. guy that got the short yardage. I thought he did well, and I think that could continue going forward. So if I'm looking for a guy off the street. I would want someone more with more, maybe more receiving threat. Still, I still want that more of a receiver threat. That's a straight receiver out of the backfield. I know Sanders is probably the Eagles' best vertical threat last year, but I would probably look guy for more receiving threat because I think Boston Scott can grind it out for you. I know everybody wants to say he's the next Darren Sproles, but Darren Sproles is also grinding out those short third and ones and the short yardage yeah. too. So uh, they like Boston Scott on the goal line. Like they, I'm a fan of Boston Scott. Yeah, a lot of yeah. people are like, yeah. Boston, Boston Scott. Scott. Yeah, I I think that. They have something going on there, and they're both young. You both have yeah. them on cheap contracts. I, I don't really mind what they're doing in the running back room. I would like to see what you have in the undrafted free agents because every year, every year in the NFL, there's an undrafted free agent running back that people are like, whoa, yeah. where did he come from? Yeah. The Eagles yeah. and Doug Peterson could easily have that. Yeah. but I mean, Boston Scott, he's a little on the small side height-wise, but, man, that guy's. He's ripped. You know, he was a former yeah. uh, powerlifting state champion in Louisiana. I mean, that that guy, I mean, he's layered with muscle. Um, but still, I don't know if you want to overexpose him too much in the short yardage situation mm-hmm. or run him between the tackles because, you, you know, you don't want to get him hurt. Um, you don't want to get him banged up because then, then that makes him, you know, not, not as effective as he would be normally. So, I, you know, my opinion is, is I think the Eagles need a hammer, man, a guy that you can give the ball to like uh, Carlos Hyde. I know his name's been out there. Someone you can give the ball that you're comfortable running between the tackles. I mean, that's what Blunt did. You know, he, he would wear defenses down uh, mm-hmm. or in the fourth quarter, they would just give him the ball four or five times in the row because the defense was tired. And I think that's the kind of guy you need. I mean, I love Boston Scott too. I think he is a weapon um, in both the passing and the running game, but I don't think you want to expose him too much to that inside stuff. I think they need a a durable hammer inside to soften up defenses, especially late in games. I'll tell you guys, though, there's nobody more I trust with a running back committee than Doug Peterson. Yeah. Uh, I remember when the Eagles first hired Doug Peterson, and I was reading quotes by Andy Reid how Doug Peterson really controlled the Spencer Ware and Charkandrick West uh, running back tandem in Kansas City, how it came out of nowhere. And then you look at his uh, beginning in Philadelphia, Ryan Matthews, who was productive with that season there. It wasn't the greatest, but it was productive. Uh, Sproles, Kenyon Barner, guys like that. Then he goes in 2017 with Blunt, as you said, which nobody expected the year that Blunt was going to have at this point. 
uh, great year. He had Jai halfway through the season. Corey Clement, undrafted free agent, nobody saw come out of nowhere. And he goes to the next year, Josh Adams and Wendell Smallwood, not the type of guys you want on your team. So I'm not going to harp on him bad for that. He still got the most out of Josh Adams than any NFL team will. I guarantee it. Um, then he goes into with Miles Sanders, who's a great weapon. They had Jordan Howard. Boston Scott comes out of nowhere. I trust Doug Peterson more than anything in the running back position. That's the only reason why I'm not sweating over it or saying, oh, they need to hurry up and seal up that position. I'm more focused on the defensive end side and getting edge depth because that's the bread and butter of that defense. Um, I know everybody's worried about linebacker. I'm not so much worried about linebacker just because of what the scheme is and how Jim Schwartz is. Uh, What they have is what they have. They're they're not going to be good. They're going to be average. At this point, it's whatever. I expected at this point out of Jim Schwartz. Um, but really, it's just D-line for me. I, I don't know. What, Ed, what do you think is the biggest concern on the team? Other right, Quarterback two is a worry, but the fact that they have the nickel position and quarterback one locked up, I'm okay. I saw this team win a Super Bowl with Patrick Robinson playing well in the nickel spot and Mills and Darby on the outside, even with Darby being hurt that year too. So I'm okay with corner. I don't love it. I'm okay with it. It's really edge death for me. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree. I, I'm comfortable at corner. I mean, they've thrown a lot of resources at the cornerback position here mm-hmm. uh, the last few years in terms of draft. I mean, we all we all forget about Rasul Douglas too. I mean, uh, you know, who knows if he's going to make the team? But um, I, I think defensive end is certainly an area that you have to look at, especially since we've been through it and we see Graham Barnett and then who? I mean, Sweat you hope can take the next step. Uh, I'm not sure. And again, you know, when you look at this offseason and how guys aren't able to get on the field who need to get on the field, like probably Josh Sweat, even though he's been here a couple of years, um, would they feel comfortable bringing Vinnie Curry back? Because, yeah, he's he's a veteran guy who's done it um, and can step right in and do it again. And same with Jason Peters. Are they comfortable with Andre Dillard not having any on-field uh, work? Um, and would they bring Peters back? Because, yeah, it's a concern that Dillard's not having this on-the-field preparation time. So, um, But I think defensive end, to answer your question, is – and then running back, to me, have just talked about it. I mean, you have to give some credit to Deuce Staley, too, in this situation. I mean, yeah, Peterson's the head coach, but, you know, Staley really develops that running back room, and he's the guy that um, is in those guys' ear. I mean, he's the one that told Corey Clement to lose weight his rookie season to come back to camp after mini camp. Make sure you come back to training camp 10 pounds later because you'll be more effective. And he did that, and he was. So, you know, Deuce gets a big uh, assist for those running backs, as does Jeff Stoutland. He's the run game coordinator, um, the offensive line coach. He's underrated. I think he, he has a big say uh, in that running back room as well. Um, but I think they could use probably a little bit more uh, depth. And, again, like I said, that that inside softener uh, to soften those defenses, I think they could use somebody like that. But you're right, uh, Connor. I mean, running back is kind of an afterthought. You can find guys. Maybe Mike Warren's that guy. He was that guy at Cincinnati. You know, maybe he can do that. Elijah Holyfield perhaps. So maybe that person's on the roster. Just we don't know. So just and to going, end, end the show – oh, go ahead, Tyler. Sorry, go ahead. Just going back to edge depth, I just – and you guys mentioned him earlier, Gennard a- Avery, I want to know what yeah. they're doing with him. You know, like you, you traded a fourth for him. Like it's not like you just gave up any, like nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what what is your plan? Is he going to be, you know, a Sam? Is he going to be, you know, his hand in the dirt? I don't Because some of the – he put on film, I mean, he had some impressive rushes <laughs> for Cleveland. He, he looked impressive. I was excited mm-hmm. when they traded for him, so – um, he's, he's another player that I'm intrigued by. Sorry. 
Yeah, no, that's a great one. I mean, who knows? I mean, that guy's another guy. He's like Boston Scott. I mean, that guy is ripped yeah. muscle-wise. I mean, he's going to come back jacked up somehow. Even though guys can't get in the gyms right now, you know he's probably at some kind of elaborate home <laughs> – you know, home set up in his in his basement or somewhere that he's working out hard because that guy's ripped. He's strong, little on the shorter side. So he could play kind of a joker role maybe, you know, kind of be in the dirt, stand up, bring him off the edge on a blitz. I mean, I think they'll find a role for him because Howie Roseman even talked about him and said that was kind of a trade for the long term, whereas right. when they traded for Golden Tate a couple of years ago, that was a short-term move. But he said Avery was a longer-term move. So we'll see what that longer-term picture is for him. All right, just to end the show real quick, I just wanted to get your thoughts on this since you brought it up. Obviously, we're, what you said about Jason Peters is right. Tyler and I actually talked about it on last episode where I thought you can argue you should bring him back at this point since Dillard's offseason is pretty much ruined and it's half a year now with this pandemic. and You don't really know where you're getting him with no training and everything up close. Uh, where you, what is your stance on that, Ed? Do you, do you think they should roll on your Dillard? And we all know Dillard's confidence issues uh, – Questioned the coaching staff when they put him in right tackle. He's come out and bashed Mike Leach, his college coach, for leaving for Mississippi State. He's very outspoken, so you would have to think he wouldn't handle this well if they do decide, hey, another year you have to play on the bench or bringing Jason Peters back. Uh, what's your thoughts on it? Uh, I think Dillard needs to get stronger. I think, you know, he, that's one of his big weaknesses, but you could say that a lot about a lot of guys that enter the league. Um, they need to get stronger. Uh, who knows if he did that, nobody's seen him or talked to him or, or knows anything what he did in the off season to get stronger. But unless he gets stronger, I mean, he's going to be limited in uh, pass protection. Uh, but I like his footwork. I think, you know, he's very technically sound in a lot of respects. Um, I think he did better than a lot of people thought in the run game when he was at Washington state, they never ran the ball under Mike Leach. It was always that aerial attack. So I think he did better in the run game than people thought. Uh, but again, not having laid eyes on him or talked to him uh, and not having seen him on social media or anywhere, really, what he looks like, you don't know. The Eagles know. And if the Eagles aren't comfortable with how he's developed in this offseason in terms of getting his weight up and getting stronger, uh, then they could look to bring Jason Peters back because, you know, Peters can do it. Uh, we know that. Um, but then you're setting back the growth of a guy that you moved up three places to draft in the first round. So I, I think the Eagles, if they're comfortable with Dillard, um, what he's done in the offseason, then they're going to go with Dillard. If they bring Peters back, would it be as a backup? I don't know if Peters is ready to let his ego is ready to let that happen yet. Um, so I would be surprised at this point if Peters came back, if the Eagles are comfortable with Dillard. But it all comes down to nobody knows. I mean, the Eagles know. Yeah. and If they're not comfortable and they bring back Peters, then we know Dillard didn't do enough in the offseason. Plus, I mean, it is such a tough all. I'm not going to kill him for it either if they do decide to bring him back because this yeah. pandemic has really destroyed everything, anything that we thought because we all thought Alshon Jeffrey was out of here. Uh, I would argue the reason why he isn't is because nobody can look at his little Frank injury and – no team doctors can get their hands on him at this point. So I think that hurts his trade prospects. Same thing with Dillard and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside going into their sophomore years after uh, questionable rookie years. It's tough for them. It's gonna it's a, it's an uphill battle with this thing going on right now. So that's the only reason why I think if you bring back Jason Peters, I can condone it just because of this pandemic going on. 
Yeah, that, that's very true. And I can see, and same with Vinnie Curry. You can say the same about Vinnie Curry. Um, so we'll see. I mean, right now there's not a whole lot of business going on. It's May. It would be great. I mean, and look at all the trouble these guys are getting in. You know, yesterday four mm-hmm. guys arrested in the NFL. I mean, th- this is a problem. Uh, you know, these guys aren't living a structured life right now. You wonder how many Eagles are checking in virtually. You hope all of them are. Um, but Fletcher Cox talked earlier in the week about how he has to remember that, oh, yeah, at 10 o'clock or whatever time, I got to get online and get on this virtual meeting. Um, so who I don't know how helpful these virtual things have been. I mean, I know it's a lot of X's and O's in playbook, but unless you can get out on the field and drill it and actually push and pull against other players, um, it's tough. It's going to be tough. Um, really quick, uh, what's the Eagles record next year, Ed? Oh, okay. Yeah, give me a little prediction. I like it. <laughs> oh, I, I think I can find ten wins on that schedule. I think they go ten and six. I'll take. I think the over under. Uh, You're crazy if you don't think they're years. going sixteen and zero. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, not the first time I've been called crazy, but uh, um, I, I think they'll win ten. ten I think ten to ten. Yeah, I think ten's a very fair uh, win amount. I was saying ten or eleven, but I think ten is sounds about right. Yeah. I think Wednesday the NFC East. They went 12. 12. Oh, you're going 12. Wow, man. Optimistic. Wednesday's healthy, yeah. I, I, think that, <laughs> I think the division's going to be better. Um, I think so, too. I think the Cowboys got better. Um, I think the Redskins' defense is going to be real their good. The line is just absolutely bonkers. The Redskins' D line. It's, it's it is. It's yeah. their front seven something. Yeah. I don't yeah. like their quarterback situation, though. I'm not a big fan of Haskins. Well, yeah. I think Kyle Allen will be the guy before long i mean i mean rivera worked with him two years Mm -hmm. in carolina the the offensive coordinator scott turner with the redskins was the quarterback coach in carolina with kyle allen so again we talk about how tough it is this offseason you wonder you know this is haskins second system now after you know his rookie year that he never really adjusted well to i mean how quickly is he going to pick it up and i don't think washington's going to sit by very long if he comes out with a slow start and doesn't do well. I think they're going to have a quick hook and they're going to put Kyle Allen in. Giants had a good draft too. I thought the yeah. Giants actually had a good stable draft. I think I think Joe Judge is probably the coach they really needed at this point. Uh, yeah. But Ed, I, I, oh, yeah, I know I know Joe Judge really well. I mean, I covered that kid when I was covering high school football back the uh, early part of this century when Joe Judge was playing quarterback at a suburban high school, and I got to know Joe well and. I saw him at the Super Bowl uh, when the Eagles played the Patriots, and we sat down. We talked. I mean, I, I really like Joe Judge. I'm I'm just, you know, a rookie head coach, never been a head coach, and um, again, not having the benefit of kind of an off season, get your hands on guys, could set him back a little bit. Um, but I think Joe will get that thing turned around. I, you know, I'm a big fan of Joe Judge, so I hope he does well, even though it's with the Giants in the division. But I'm a fan of the coach. That's a good little tidbit that nobody knew that before yeah. you just said that. But uh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think the NFC is going to be a lot more competitive this year. Uh, they play the Saints again, which the Saints always give the Eagles trouble. I hate it, but they do. Uh, Seahawks. In December. Yeah, In December. And, and Malcolm Jenkins coming home. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be a tough. I don't think the schedule is as easy as everybody makes it out to be, but mm-hmm. I can see ten wins for sure. And I think that's gonna be good enough to win the East. The thing about that Saints game is that. That's the third game of a three-game road trip for New Orleans. They're coming mm-hmm. in after trips to Atlanta or to Denver and Atlanta. Um, and we saw the Eagles. They had three games on the road last year. They went one and two. Um, but then after the Saints play the Eagles here in Philadelphia, then they have to host the Kansas City Chiefs. So 
you know, who knows what condition the Saints are going to be in. I mean, Drew Brees is, you know, 110 years old. I mean, who knows if he'll <laughs> even still be playing. I mean, you know, you never know what these older quarterbacks, how they're going to hold mm-hmm. up physically. True. And he did miss time last year. Teddy Bridgewater came in. They still yep. won, though. But, yep. yeah, I agree with you. But, Ed covers Eagles for Sports Illustrated. So glad to have you on the show. It was great talking ball with you. We'll have to have you on again for a little quick roundtable discussion. Awesome, man. Love doing it. Appreciate right. it, Ed. All right, Thank guys. Thank you very much. Yep. Clorox knows you want your clothes smelling fresh and clean. But so what happens? That's why we created Clorox Fabric Sanitizers to freshen up your clothes between washes, pre-treat extra stinky laundry, and make sure every last odor comes out in the wash. Clorox fabric sanitizers take care of all that and eliminate 99% of odor-causing bacteria. Plus, they're bleach-free and safe for all colors and fabrics. When it counts, trust Clorox. At Freedom Mortgage, freedom means helping veterans use their homes for better living. Whether that be through refinancing your mortgage, accessing cash through your home's equity, or helping you purchase a new home, making home financing a custom fit. That's freedom. Visit freedommortgage.com forward slash VA to learn more. Freedom Mortgage Corporation, NMLS number 2767, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org, 951 Yamato Road, Boca Raton, Florida, 33431, 800-220-3333, licensed in all 50 states. For complete licensing information, visit www.freedommortgage.com forward slash state dash licensing, equal housing opportunity. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.